everybody, and welcome back to the Out To Be podcast. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this week's episode because Sarah, who I have a conversation with, is amazing. She's so cool. And she, first of all, I mean, she plays Gwen Stefani in a No Doubt tribute band. Like, do you get any cooler than that? I don't think so. But not only that, she also gives us some really, really amazing advice and insight on what it's like to tour with anxiety. So, you know, aside from her No Doubt tribute band, she's also part of a duo called Fox and Bones, as well as uh, the front woman of her own rock band called Sarah Wilde. So she is a part of three bands, she's touring all the time, and she suffers from anxiety. And in this episode, we talk about not only how she's healed from her anxiety, or rather been on a healing journey, and the many different things from diet to spiritual practices to medication that she's used to help cope, but how she does that on tour. And we also go into some of the logistics of actually touring and how do you do that when you have to be mindful of self-care and mental health and want to be mindful of that and it was a really fun conversation she's so awesome she genuinely really cares about breaking the stigma and talking about these issues and I think you'll be able to tell that in our conversation I'm also excited because this is the first of a few episodes I have queued up that are all about touring Touring is something that I find a lot of musicians struggle with. They don't know how to book a tour. They don't know how to be on tour, especially dealing with issues like mental health or simply just staying um, healthy. So I'll give you a little sneak peek into what you can expect for the next few weeks. Today we have this episode with Sarah about touring with anxiety. Next week we're going to be talking with Angel Lopez about post-tour depression and creating routines. And then the week after that we have an episode with Teresa Croft all about healthy habits to prevent performance anxiety. So we're focusing all on touring and on performing and how to reduce our anxiety and stress that may come with that. So it's going to be a really good few weeks. I'm really excited. And then after that, you guys, I've been recording so many amazing episodes. I can't, I, I wish that the weeks could come faster because there's, I can't wait for you to hear them. They're so good, but that's all I'm going to say for now. All right, let's jump into the episode with Sarah. Hey Sarah, and welcome to the Out to Be podcast. Hey, Katie, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have you here today. To start, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your music. Yeah, so um, I am primarily in a folk duo called Fox and Bones with my boyfriend. And so we spend like nine months of the year traveling all over the country and all over Europe. Um, And it's kind of a Civil Wars meets Fleetwood Mac with a little bit of poppiness to it. Um, and lots Love of harmonies. Love that description, and- by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then I also have two other bands. I'm the front woman of a hard rock band as well called Sarah Wilde and the Watch. And then I am in a um, no doubt tribute band called Tragic Kingdom. And I'm Gwen Stefani in that. Nice. So it's very fun. very full schedule of music. <laughs> yeah. So you're obviously doing a lot and you're touring yes. often and we will get back to that. But before we do that, we're today we're going to talk about your journey with anxiety and how you balance self-care while touring. So I'm wondering, when did you first know that you had anxiety? Oh man, I I always joke that I think I was born with it cuz I <laughs> It's, t- it's manifested in a lot of different ways over my life, um, but I think pretty much since I was very young, like I was a really 
I kid. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure I don't have like specific memories of like feeling anxious, but I, it first started to manifest when I would have a babysitter and my parent, I would like convince myself my parents were going to die. Mm, wow. <laughs> so, you know, just fun, happy childhood stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, and, I feel like it doesn't help that in a lot of Disney movies, that's what happens. Like the parents oh, go away for a trip and then they don't come back. <laughs> so many Disney Fro movies. Frozen comes to mind when you say that. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, there's always, always stuff with that. So that started pretty young. And um, my first time going to therapy, I was like 12. So we were starting to like try to get a handle on it when I was pretty young. Yeah. And I know you struggle with perfectionism as well. How has that impacted you in your music career? Oh, it's comp almost probably driven my music career. Um, it's an interesting, like perfectionism is an interesting balance because in some ways it makes you do your best work, which is really important because, you know, like I, I'm definitely not lazy. Like if anything, I'm the opposite or I'm mm -hmm. doing too much and have too much on my plate. Um, so in that sense, like it kind of has a positive as aspect because it drives me, but it also sometimes makes me shut down creatively entirely where I can't write anything because I'm afraid I can't write something as good as something I wrote before or yeah. something as good as my boyfriend Scott could write or, and so it kind of has this twofold balance that I've been struggling with of, um, you know, it is the thing that kind of drives me to be better. And then at the same time, it stops me in my tracks at a certain point. Yeah. How have you been coping with that? Um, you know, it's been really kind of a long journey that I'm just now coming out of. We've been in this band Fox and Bones for three years. And before that, I'd always written my own music. And, and so creatively, I kind of flowed a lot more. Um, and then when it introduced, you know, being in a relationship and being in a band also, um, that brought a lot of new anxiety of like, if he didn't love the song that I wrote right out of the gate, I would just completely shut down. And so mm -hmm. I, for like a couple of years was like feeling pretty shut down creatively. And, and I'm just now kind of starting to find tools. And one big one is, you know, meditation. That's helped me a ton, but also having really, being able to be really open in communicating about the anxiety that surrounds that. And so I've had to be able to like train my boyfriend to like, be able to talk to me about that kind of stuff so that I can say, Hey, I'm feeling this thing right now. And I just, I say it and he doesn't judge me for it. We talk about it. Maybe it gets solved. Maybe it doesn't, but sometimes just saying it out loud makes me feel a little less, um, ruled by it, I guess. Mm, yeah. And so the fact that we have more open communication now and he has been very, you know, he knows what my struggle is. And so he's been very supportive, um, in, you know, wanting me to write. And so, you know, trying to find ways to communicate with me that like, don't shut me down. Um, and so now it's just a matter of like, just doing a little bit every day and not necessarily songwriting, but just writing exercises or um, just, you know, cause that, that perfectionist in me just really is driven by the need to accomplish something. And so sometimes if I just do one little thing, you know, or I practice a riff a couple times that day or something like that, then all of a sudden it opens the floodgates and I can, um, you know, over the next few days, then I can start to really write. And so it's been a long process figuring those things out. Yeah. What other holistic methods have you experimented with or tried or found useful in your journey with healing or I shouldn't say healing because it's always an ongoing journey, but with coping with anxiety and perfectionism. 
You know, I feel like I, yeah, I've been a little bit of like a spiritual guinea pig over the last 10 years, especially I've tried a little bit of everything. I've tried, you know, fixing things on the nutrition side. Mm. I've, um, you know, I've done a lot of, I've done like ayahuasca ceremonies and combo and rape and all these like ancient medicines. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like explored a psychedelics, like there's all these different things that I've done, but really the number one thing that has helped me on a daily basis is just meditation. And I actually found a meditation app that has totally changed my view of it. And suddenly now where I couldn't really motivate myself to do it daily before, now I'm like doing it every day. And it's really influenced the way that I think. And I really catch myself in reactions now um, because of this specific type of meditation. Um, what is so, the app that you use? Um, it's called Waking Up. It's uh, Sam Harris's app. And okay. I'd read his book and I, I wasn't as big of a fan of the book because it was like a little overly practical. He's <laughs> very um, anti-spiritual. And so, and I'm very spiritual. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was a little bit too like cut and dry and, and like, you know, trying to debunk like anything mystical. Right. Um, but the app is really amazing. And the way that he explains things and the way that he um, kind of leads you through day by day, it's, I mean, phenomenal. It's truly like, I think one of the best resources out there and it's not very expensive. Um, and so that's, that's really been a game changer for me. What were your like perceived notions of meditation before you actually tried that app and why you weren't able to get into a routine with it and how that app actually changed it? You know, um, I think a little bit of it was readiness because sometimes like something just clicked in me, like in the last six months where I was like, I need to stop talking talking about meditating. I need to just do it. Um, and then the, um, I'd heard Sam Harris talking on Tim Ferriss's podcast about the app. And so I kind of like, it like stuck itself in my brain, but actually what finally made me download it was seeing, um, a comedian that I like, and for the life of me, her name is escaping me right now, but on Instagram, she had posted like, this is the best meditation app I've ever used. And so I was like, I'll give it a try. And then I think because it's, you know, it's only 10 minutes a day. It has, it's like all lined up. It's like day one, day two, day three, day four. Um, I just kind of made a ritual out of it. And I started yeah. to look forward to it in the morning where I'd, I'd have my little space and I'd light a candle and, um, you know, I would put in my headphones and do the meditation. And then I would journal afterwards. And that became a morning routine when I was home, when I wasn't touring um, that was really, uh, grounding for me. Speaking of touring, you tour super frequently. So how often are you on tour per year? Um, six to nine months per year. We're on the road. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a long time. And are you just like in America? Are you going internationally or like how, what's your method of touring? Are you driving? Are you taking planes? All of the above. We, uh, <laughs> we usually do, right now we're on a two and a half month tour around the U.S. and so we're driving. Um, in the late summer, early fall, we'll be in Europe for two months. So we fly there and then rent a car. Um, and then in the in-between times in the winter and the summer, we do mostly regional touring. So we're located in Portland. And so we do, you know, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Colorado, like that area. Yeah. So there's obviously a lot of travel involved. There's probably a lot of long hours. Being in a car Mm -hmm. on a plane is very stressful on the body, even if you're not 
quote unquote doing anything. You're just sitting there. It still takes a toll. So how does touring affect your mental health and even your physical health? Yeah, this has been a big thing for me over the last three years. Um, because the first couple tours, I, it really crashed me. Like I was, you know, cause we're a lot of times there's like free alcohol every night. There's, you know, we're staying up late. People want to get to know us. They want to talk to us after the show. Um, and I'm more of an introvert. I never thought I was, but now playing music, um, like talking to people after shows just takes so much out of me. And so, um, you know, and then on top of that, I have always been a very healthy eater and I have a lot of like digestive issues, which Mm -hmm. I think are also connected to the stress and the anxiety. Oh yeah. Um, and (laughs) that are definitely made worse by eating crappy food. So, you know, lots of, and especially when we're, we're in Europe, it's like all like carbs and dairy and like all these things I don't normally eat that like I also don't want to be difficult so I just eat what's in front of me um so our first couple tours like really like face planted me um health-wise and anxiety-wise because of course those things always are tied and when I'm feeling crappy health-wise I get more anxiety and then that keeps the cycle going um and so I finally like ended up seeing this naturopath um to kind of set me back on track with my health and that sort of helped, but I was being so strict with myself and it wasn't really working. And I realized it really was the stress and anxiety that was causing all of the underlying issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing for sure that helps me avoid anxiety and like physical issues is not drinking. Even if it's like, you know, I was only having like maybe a drink a night, but not doing it. i you know, just made a a pact with myself and it really helped my mental state a ton. Yeah. Um, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but if not, I actually don't drink either. And I don't talk about it super often. Sometimes I get annoyed when people ask me about it, but the main reason was because of anxiety. Like it is a direct factor. Like if you have anxiety and you find yourself getting anxious, pay attention to possible triggers and alcohol could totally be a trigger. And it might not happen every time. For me, it wasn't happening every time, but it was happening like sporadically, which almost made it worse because I was like, I don't know when all of a sudden I'm going to be out and get Mm -hmm. super super anxious. And so when you're on tour and you have to actually, like you're working, you have to get up the next day and perform and be well enough to perform both mentally and physically. I, I think, I don't, I was about to say, it's so courageous, but like, it's not, it shouldn't have to be courageous to not drink. You're just a good choice for yourself and for your body, which is awesome. Yeah. And it's definitely been like a point of contention between my boyfriend and I, because he definitely like drinking really helps him, you know, it helps him like be a little bit more going on stage and it helps him relax. And so, and I'm like, dude, like, I don't think we should be doing this every night. And finally I just had to be like, okay, I can't control what you're going to do, but I feel better when I don't do it. And my, a lot of my anxiety is tied to physical symptoms. So if I'm hungover, that's when I get anxious. Is being like, why did I do that to myself? I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. yeah. I totally feel you on that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's important to note too, like people react to things differently, whether it's alcohol or just food in general, like um, the gut and the brain interact, like they are very 
in tune with each other. And so if one's off, the other will often be off as well. And so for alcohol, for people who don't struggle with anxiety or just maybe have a better alcohol tolerance, like that might relax them and actually put them in a genuinely better state to do what they need to do. But for other people, like we don't have to feel guilty for being like, this does not serve me. This is making things worse. So I'm just not going to do it. Yep. I'd like to dig a little bit deeper too into what you do now when you're on tour around food, because I know food is like such a, an important aspect of it. I think there's a lot of things when people go on tour, maybe there's not enough money or just not good food options around, especially if they're driving in a car pretty often. So especially for someone who's trying to eat healthy and maybe has dietary uh, restrictions, like you mentioned, you do, how do you now stay healthy and on tour and make sure that you're picking the best options so that you can feel your best? So my strategy on this tour, because in the past tours, I've just said like, fuck it and just, you know, eating whatever. On this tour, um, we came into it after doing a month on the whole 30. And so I was really like wanting to try to keep and I, I definitely have it. But my goal has been to do kind of like a 70 30 rule of where like if I can eat healthy for like 75, 70% of what I eat that day, um, then I'm figure I'm doing pretty good. So if I have like two meals that are healthy and one that's not, mm-hmm. um, I tend to feel better. Um, and so for example, the other day I had like salad for breakfast and lunch. Cause that was the only like healthy option in Alabama where we were. And then for dinner I had like ribs. So it was like, <laughs> you know, kind of, I, but I felt I was, I knew we were going to have ribs that night. And so I made choices. Like I'll do, um, I really like to find places that have smoothie bowls. Mm. Uh, that's been one of my favorite things on tour and cities usually have places like that. But if we're really stuck, um, you know, I'll get fruit or whatever at a gas station or nuts or, um, just something like pickles or like something that's at least resembles a fruit or vegetable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing that we started doing on our last tour, at least when we're in the U.S., is I have a little mini cooler with ice packs. And so we bring some of our own healthy snacks and then we just, you know, we refreeze them each night wherever we're staying. Um, and then, you know, people give us food along the road. And so we kind of have this cooler full of treats if we need something on the road instead of stopping at fast food or a gas station. Because especially when you go through really most of the country, you're not going to find anything even resembling real food, um, between cities. I mean, it's really like not easy to do. So we just bring our own now. So do you really try to take advantage of when you are in a city or a place that has good food to like stock up as much as you can and make that last between cities? We definitely like, we'll eat healthy food and then like keep our leftovers (laughs) so that we have something for lunch the next day or whatever. Um, and yeah, whenever like our big thing on the road is kombucha. We both love kombucha. Most places in the country do not have kombucha. So when we can get it, we'll kind of stock up on that. That's kind of funny. I guess being in New York, I just assume like, oh yeah, that's like a new big thing that everyone has and drinks kombucha. But yeah, you're right. It's probably not true. Like most of the country does not. Like all the way down the California coast, we're good. And once we start going east from there, it's like, nope, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. Yeah. So what other self-care habits do you do regularly while you're on tour to make sure that you are taking care of your mind and your body, especially knowing that like time and space, being that you're traveling and doing shows are maybe not like in your favor? Yeah. And, um, you know, that is a really important aspect of what's helped me with anxiety actually is 
taking space and because I'm also here with you know a significant other which adds a whole different layer of anxiety um, because you're with the person you love 24 7 and that brings up conflict and so one thing has been to take time alone to do whatever you know whether it's um, for example this on this tour there was this wildlife park in Arizona that I really wanted to go to my boyfriend didn't so I just went by myself and I kind of took a personal day and just did something that like filled up my spirit. Um, you know, other times I've gone to like the spa for the, or I've gone to a hot springs for the day. Another thing my boyfriend doesn't like to do. So I'll go alone and just like be with myself, read a book and just do something that has nothing to do with music. I think that's really important. Nothing to do with work, nothing to do with music, something that's solely for you. Cause that kind of like fills me back up. Um, and then on a daily basis, even if I don't have time to sit and meditate, for 10 or 15 minutes. Um, when I can, I do when I can't, um, you know, say we're in the car and maybe I'll just close my eyes for five minutes and just pay attention to my breathing. Uh, especially if I start to get amped up or I start to get bored or I'm, you know, finding my, I need to check social media a bunch of times. I've been trying to just like, you know, deep breathe, um, especially focusing on the out breath I've noticed really helps. And so like lengthening the out breath, um, and so if I need like a quick fix, I can kind of do that and get myself a little bit back, back on track. Yeah. Those are some awesome tips. I particularly love that you said you made sure to take time to not do music stuff because yeah. I think when you're on tour, it can be really easy to just be like, this is everything. I'm either going to be traveling, sleeping, eating, or playing music and literally nothing else, but you still have to like decompress and do things that are interesting to you just as you would any other day of your life if you were at home or not traveling. Right. Yeah. It's really, I mean, I like doing music work for a long, so we'll sometimes we'll spend a whole afternoon doing music work on the computer mm -hmm. and it acts the same to me as like caffeine does, which caffeine mm -hmm. makes me really anxious and jittery. So does like prolonged work because I'm in this heightened state of like semi excitement, semi stress. And afterwards I don't feel good. Like I don't feel relaxed. And so really been trying to, of course, get what I need to do done, but not focus so much on that being the only side activity is you know the, yeah the self-promotion and the checking instagram 12 million times like it's it doesn't help <laughs> yeah definitely not and as far as the logistics go are you guys booking your whole tour like before you do it or are you booking and pitching things while you're also on the road and kind of keeping it going on a loop almost um kind of both usually before we embark on our tour we have like 90 percent of it booked um but we're booking for example right now we're already starting to book into november and so we're always booking, you know, nine months out, no matter what tour we're on. And so the work never really ends. Um, and we've gone off and on with having our own PR company. Right now we don't. And so we're doing all of that on our own and, um, you know, all our social media on our own. And so, yeah, so there's a lot to keep up with. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. It's not just like going up and performing and then being done. There's all the admin work on top of that that you have to take care of. Um, exactly. Yeah, but I was just curious how you structure it because I think that's interesting too. And how many how many days do you leave in between shows to get that work done? Um, sometimes none. And so <laughs> kind of, we are kind of of the thought that like if we're on tour, we're going to play as much as possible. And so we try to book ourselves out 
but naturally, you know, we'll have a lot of Mondays and Tuesdays open. And so a lot of times we'll have at least one day off a week, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes two or three. And we like to try to stay in the same place. That's another thing that helps us both stay grounded and keeps my anxiety level low is if we can sleep in the same bed multiple nights. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, say we're like, for example, when we're in Texas, we stay with my cousins in Georgetown. And from there, we go to shows in Austin, Houston, San Antonio, Dallas. Mm. But we always come back and stay in the same bed. And it really does help us ground. And then we can wake up, get some of that stuff done in the morning, and then kind of have our day to relax before a show. That's interesting. So even if you have travel time on those days, that might be longer. If you had just traveled to those cities, you find it more important to just stay in one place for longer to create some sense of stability as opposed to traveling all over the place. Definitely. Especially because a lot of those places we stay, it's with friends and family. So it's places where we're comfortable. It's places where we're getting fed. Obviously there's a money aspect to that too. We save a lot of money doing that. Right. Um, I really do find myself feeling better when we've been in the same place for a couple of days and I've just been able to like spread out and unpack my suitcase and, um, make myself at home. Yeah. Are there any other changes that you've made from this tour, um, as opposed to the other tours of the past two years after learning what works, what doesn't work that now you've started to incorporate in? Well, there is one major new development, um, and this is kind of the other side of the mental health world, is that I actually started taking an SSRI this time. So I was in cognitive behavioral therapy for two years, mm-hmm. and because um, I was going through a really, really anxious period, not as much about music, but more relationship-wise, and I just really like, I mean, I'm, I think I'm like a highly functioning anxiety person, like I still get what I get done when I need to do. It doesn't necessarily affect my life, except that I'm, I get really, for me, it manifests as getting really agitated and really overwhelmed by tiny things. So like the agitation, I I just want to point out is such an important fact that I don't think people recognize as a symptom. And that was actually how my anxiety also first started. I was getting very frustrated and angry at small things. I mean, sometimes they were important, like, or not, they were big, but not like in the grand scheme of life things. But like, I would let myself get so angry and so agitated over it. So I'm so glad that you said that because any chance I can get to point that out, like if you find yourself getting irrationally angry, could be anxiety. Yes, definitely. And I don't think I really realized because uh, this really was over the winter. So I've been in therapy for a couple of years. My therapist has been saying like, well, I would love to see what you look like on an SSRI. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. I'm an all natural girl. I don't mm-hmm. do pharmaceuticals. I hate the industry. I will not. And so yeah. I just didn't, didn't even, didn't even consider that as an option. Um, and then over the winter, I started to realize that because of the meditation and eating healthy and like um, opening the communication in my relationship and being surrounded by good people, I had this realization that I was like, my life is so good. I have amazing people in my life. I do what I love for a living. I, you know, I I have a lot of stability. I have an amazing family. I have literally no complaints. And yet I find myself screaming and crying in the car because somebody cut me off. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not natural. This is not how someone's supposed to feel. Yeah. And I confided this to my roommate and I was just like, I just don't get it. Like, I should be the happiest person on earth based on all of my lifestyle factors. And it's still, there's still something missing. And she was like, you know, I know you don't want to hear it, but like, maybe you should try medication. And so I was like, you know what? I've tried everything else. 
I will now after 10 years of fighting this, like maybe I'll try that. And so I'm almost exactly at about like the five week point, which is when you start to feel the effects. But honestly, I felt them within two weeks and I, my baseline is so much lower. Like before I felt like my baseline was here. And so it didn't take me much to like push over the edge, but now I feel like much more calm on a daily basis. Um, and it really has been kind of a miracle thing. And my goal is to, you know, not be on it forever and kind of reset my serotonin levels and stuff. But it, you know, it's, it's something to be said for, even if you're super into the natural stuff, I would say, try all the natural stuff first, try meditation, try that stuff, really solidly commit to all those things. But if none of that other stuff works, you know, medication is an option that also can work. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I want to point out too, that even though you are taking medication, it's not like you dropped any of the other holistic stuff that got you to this point. So for people who are maybe just like, "Eh, I'll just take the drugs and like be done with it. It's still important to have other aspects in your life that, because they ground you, they help you stay grounded and have some sense of routine and something else that you can fall back on when you need a little extra help. Um, but yeah, that's such a good point. Like if you find yourself really struggling and maybe you have tried everything else and it's just not doing it for you, definitely talk to your mental health provider and see if going on in SSRI or any other drug might help you. Yeah, it's definitely like, I feel like I'm the poster child for somebody who's not interested, like even <laughs> it just absolutely hard. No on all of that. Um, and here I am like, totally feeling like I'm thriving, but I do like what you said about, um, trying, you know, getting all the other things kind of in line first, because one weird side effect, and maybe it's just cause I've never felt this way before, but a weird side effect of the SSRI is that like, I don't feel so obsessive about my nutrition or my spirituality. I don't feel like this need to like make meaning out of every little sign in life. I don't feel um, like as much of a sense of urgency about my health or like things I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like if you don't have those practices in place, it could make you a little lazy. And that was the thing I was afraid of. I was like, I'm a very ambitious person. I don't want this to slow me down. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause when you started saying that, I was like, well, that seems like it would be a good thing. Right. Cause you're not like super anxious yeah. about that, but you're exactly right. If you aren't, or if you don't already have those habits in place and then you lose those ambitions of wanting to worry about it, or at least just like stay on top of it, then it could all like go to shit. Yeah. I had an experience last week that like we were, you know, we were in Texas and like there are certain places on tour where I plan that we're going to party because of the people we're with and the venue. And we just know that it's the perfect storm and we can't not do it. And so we Mm kind of plan those things into our tour. Yeah. And this, in this case, it was just like, normally I'm like thinking about like, I shouldn't have one more drink because I'm going to feel this way. And I'm like counting everything out and like planning everything out. And last week I was just like, bring me another one. (laughs) going for it. And it was just, and then feeling the next day and like not feeling guilty about it. And I was like, Oh, this is a, this isn't that guilt helped me stay on track. Like I (laughs) needed that like push. And so now this week I'm like really resetting from just like eating horribly, drinking a bunch because I like, like, I don't care. This is great. And so it's, you know, thankfully I have this baseline of trying to stay healthy and like trying to avoid alcohol. Um, because cognitively I know that I need those things, but like 
now that I'm like feeling relaxed about life, I don't have as much judgment towards myself when I do things that are off. And so now I'm trying to come back in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Find that balance. And you know, they say balance, all balance. And they say that you can gain weight on SSRIs. And, but she was like, it's not because the medication makes you hold on to calories. It's because people get more chill and Mm. they aren't, they aren't as focused on their nutrition. They just are like happier. And so they're eating more and they're not paying attention. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I, cause I asked about it. I was like, I don't know if I, you know, that doesn't go with my perfectionism. Like I'm, you know, that's another thing that I would have anxiety. <laughs> about. I mean, also you have been very diligent about creating a healthy lifestyle. So you would hate to just take a medicine and have that all go away. So right. yeah, it's important. <laughs> like you ask what the side effects are and make sure that you know in advance what could happen and that you're aware. Like if you weren't aware that that is exactly what happens and why people gain weight on the drug, then you might not have been noticing this now, but you knew, and right. now you can like take note of it and make sure that you keep your body balanced. Cause that's all what it's all about really. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's one thing that I'm really grateful for with the meditation and the SSR, all these things that have been helping me, like I'm just less self-conscious on a daily basis of just like thinking, like planning everything out and thinking, overthinking every tiny little thing and stressing about what I'm eating and stressing about whether I'm writing or not and stressing about all these things. Like I now feel like I actually have a little bit of my life back, like a little bit of sanity back, you know, of like, or even just mental space, I guess, which is really a relief. Now I understand why other people can just like go through life and not freak out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I am so glad to hear that you've reached this point in your journey, you know, and it's amazing that you're able to share it with all of us so that people who are maybe closer to their starting point or not yet at a place where they do feel like they're, uh, like you said earlier, like their baseline has kind of lowered and they don't have, they don't get set off super easily that they can learn from your story and maybe try some of the things that you recommended. Definitely go talk to a mental health professional. If you feel like you do need one, we are not, so we can't tell you, we can't tell you what to do. So don't just take our advice off the cuff. Like definitely go talk to someone who can talk to you about medication and if that would benefit you or not. Um, and thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing all of this with us. Oh my gosh. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited about what you're doing. And I just think it's really important to like ditch the stigma on all this stuff because being able to be open about it really has helped me a lot. And, um, and I hope that this serves others too. It definitely will. Before I let you go, what's one tip you would leave with someone who is planning to go on tour, but is worried about their mental health and self-care while doing it? Um, I would say what I, one thing that I did for this trip is I made myself a ritual box. And so it's a box that has a, a small candle, a couple of my favorite crystals, you know, like a small journal. Um, and it's something that I can just open up and it's like things that make me feel calm, things that remind me to be mindful. Um, and I have a little Palo Santo, I think. And, um, it's just having some sort of either ritual or item or something that brings you back to yourself and reminds you to come back to your practice, whatever that is. Um, and that, that kind of grounds you because tour is very ungrounding. And so finding something that like makes you feel like yourself, uh, like the best parts of yourself or reminds you of home or reminds you of somebody that that loves you. I think it's really important to kind of have like a talisman of some sort to, uh, to go back to. And that's, that's a good starting point. I think. I love that. That's such a cool tip. Where can we find you and listen to your music? 
So we are Fox and Bones. We're all over the internet. Uh, if you type in Fox and Bones, you'll find us, but we're at Fox and Bones on all social media. And then of course we're on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, anywhere that you find music. Uh, my other band, Sarah Wild, um, my social media is at I am Sarah Wild, and that's Sarah with an H and W-I-L-D. Um, and then Sarah Wild on um, all of the streaming platforms as well. And then my uh, cover band is pretty much only on social media, but we're Tragic Kingdom PDX. And so you can find us there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, Katie. I really appreciate this. Mm -hmm.